You're tuning in to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, all across Australia. And um, we come uh, um, to you every weekday at 9 a.m. And for those listening in Tasmania, you can catch us again at 4.30 p.m. And I'm your host, Tabitha Zachariah. And every Friday, we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. And um, David has been doing some programs around this series, um, The Coming King. And today, David will be talking about an urgent call. Um, welcome, David. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for the welcome, Tabitha. Um, David, um, you've shared quite a bit about your life, your family. You've shared your experiences in life and um, also your siblings. Um, so um, do you have something else to share with us today? Uh, yes, I do. Thanks, Tabitha. So where I left you off last week was uh, working in, just just starting to work in IT. Uh, I think you'll remember a company called me while I was working in a mining uh, group and I started working for a contract IT group. Now, that was a challenge for me because I had to step out of my comfort zone and it was contracting work. So during this process, um, if I take a step back to um, what led me into IT work was when we were in Sydney, I had moved off working with the tools in the aircraft work and I was working for a company that uh, was contracted to do aircraft maintenance. So I was in Sydney, not far from Sydney Airport, uh, working for this company. I'd, wor- I'd moved off working on the tools themselves and I was administering uh, the process of doing this maintenance. And I was also doing coordination work for the military Mm. Um, so because I'd had a military background. Mm. So during this time, I was starting to think about the future, think about the future of work, and I was thinking, well, what what are my options for actually advancing? And I had a aircraft maintenance engineer certificate, which mm. means you can work on aircraft and you're qualified to do that. But I didn't have uh, I didn't have the qualification that was licensed. Now, if you just are an aircraft maintenance engineer, you can do the work, but mm. someone else has got to sign for the work that you do. Mm. But if you're a licensed aircraft maintenance engineer, a LAMI they call it, mm. then you can sign for your own work. Mm. So to get that qualification, I had to go back on the tools for about two years. Mm work on a particular type of aircraft, an airframe, and then any time you're working on a different airframe or a different aircraft, you'd have to do um, more qualifications. So that that when I looked into the future of that, I thought, you know, that's very intensive, it's a lot of work, and it didn't really uh, have a huge advancement in career options. Mm. And also, you know, limited income then because of that. And and the other love I had was um, uh, technology, computers and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I'd been working with computers for a while, building computers for people, doing stuff like that. Mm. So I thought, which way could I go? And I prayed about it and I felt there was more direction leading towards the IT stuff. So an opportunity came up for me to be able to do a programming course. Mm -hmm. And that was going to take about four years. So jumping forward now back to Western Australia, here I was coming towards the end of the programming course and I was starting to think all right God's moved me into this IT work Uh, how is it going to transition into a programming job and you know as you're coming towards the end of a course you're starting to think Mm. 
what's the next door that's mm. going to open? How am I going to get this job? How am I going to start ground level in this new field? So it was still a couple of months from finishing the course. And I, I was, uh, you know, when you're in, uh, applying for a job, you look around all the different employment agencies, you, you, you do the footwork, you go to people's jobs, you hand in your resume, and you just do a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And usually that's where you find the work. It's very rare you find the job in a newspaper. But I felt impressed to buy a local newspaper. Mm-hmm and to look through the classifieds. And there was this one small classified ad mm-hmm. asking for someone with programming background and an IT, uh, programming experience and, uh, and an IT background. It seemed to fit um, with what I was, where I was in mm-hmm. life. So, so I thought, well, I wonder if this is a door that's opening. I applied for the job and I had the interview. It was just, it was just a chat over our morning tea. <laughs> it, it was a really casual, laid-back, <laughs> informal setting. And it was this with this company that it was just a start-up, you know, there were only um, 12 people in the company. Oh. I was going to be number 13. Mm. And I thought, oh, you know, where's this going? Mm. And as I was going through the interview, the man said to me, well, this has been really good, and this was on a Thursday. He says, can you start on Monday? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was blown away at the simplicity of it and where that led in the future. And, and it really just opened up the opportunities mm-hmm. for I hadn't even finished the course. Mm-hmm. And here I had a job that was going to be applying those skills and mm-hmm. starting in a slightly, uh, you know, off center programming kind of a way, not, not the standard programming, but it was going to be applying those skills. And, and for me, it was just fabulous. Mm. that God was opening a door and I had to walk through it. And uh, we'll touch on that again before I finish. But um, to me, that was that was stepping out in faith. That was a challenge where I didn't know mm. where I was going to go in life. But when I just uh, stepped through that open door that God provided me, mm. um, I, I was able to be blessed. Wow. Thank you for sharing that wonderful story with us. Um, I think sometimes God just surprises us in amazing ways, um, mm. in ways that we don't expect, and it just—it's mm. good to trust Him. Um, and just to share our show number uh, with our listeners, it's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one um zero four eight 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 zero eight nine one. You can text us any questions, any comments, any feedback. We'd like to hear from you, and we'll be able to get back to you. And also, you can um catch us through the also catch us through the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website, where you can also catch up on our previous episodes that we've done. Um, David, did you want to give a recap of what you covered last week? Yes, I'd like to just quickly recap. So last week we looked at the final signs that remain to be fulfilled before Jesus comes. Uh, and we talked about the sealing, the marking, the identification of people for which side of the conflict they're going to be on. Today we're going to look at uh, the two sides of the conflict we find ourselves caught up in and why we should choose to align with one side or the other. And the, the talk is entitled... Uh, an urgent call. Uh, we're going to start by reading Revelation fourteen six to eleven, but I think very importantly, as we have done in the past, let's mm. let's first have a prayer. Mm. Heavenly Father, as we look into this very important topic today, please open your word to us. Speak to us each. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, 
Did you want me to read? <laughs> yes, please. So, Tabitha, could you read Revelation fourteen six to 11 out of the New Living Translation? It's a bit easier to read. Sure. Um, and I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as a judge. Worship him who make the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen, the great city is fallen, because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immolarity. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand, must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur. And in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb, the smoke of the torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night. For they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. Mm. Thanks, Tabitha. Look, there's some things in the Bible that are not often pleasant to read. Mm. And this is one of those, well, one part of it anyway. Mm. And and last week when we looked at um, this these topics, we talked about reading the back cover of a book, if you remember, if you wanted to know how it ends. And... Uh, if you want to see how the theme of a story, though, mm-hmm. usually you read the introduction. Mm-hmm. And as we look into the introduction um, of a book, it gives us an outline of what the book is about. It draws us in, so we want to read the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And in the introduction of the Bible, we discover where our worlds come from, where mankind's come from, why there's sin and suffering, and what the God's going to do about it. Mm-hmm. But the Bible... Also, as it draws to a close, there's this unseen battle being waged and an urgent call for us to pick sides in the conflict. But um, how and why this conflict began? Well, we'll have to take a break and then we'll come back into that in a moment. Okay. Um, We're going to listen to our first song, and this song is Oh, Worship the King, and that is by Shane and Shane. Oh, worship the King, our glorious
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was All Worship the King by Shane and Shane. And you're listening to Tars Encounters with David Maxwell. And David is talking about an urgent call. Um, David, do you have a listener question for us? For yeah, listeners? I do. I do, Tabitha. So a listener question I have today is if you had a good friend who called you late at night with an urgent request that required immediate attention, how would you respond? So if you had an, a good friend who called you late at night with an urgent request that required immediate action, how would you respond? And how would your response differ if the person was, like you didn't know the person very well? Okay, um, so text us your responses. We'd like to hear um, what you have to say. Um, to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and we'll be able to share um, your responses. And we also have a free book offer today, and this uh, book is called "Surprised by Love," and that is um, it's about the unexpected rescue of God's children, and that's by Elizabeth Vera Talbot. And we'll give you more information about that um, some time later on. So, David, we are looking at this series, um, The Coming King, and this topic um, for today, which is an urgent call. And before the break, you mentioned that the beginning of the Bible answers questions like where the world came from, where we came from, and why there's so much sin and suffering. And you asked how the conflict between God and Satan began. Um, can you uh, elaborate more on this, please? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Tabitha. So as I said before the break, there's an unseen battle raging behind the scenes and it's been raging for thousands of years. And in every conflict, there are always opposing sides, otherwise it wouldn't be a conflict. And and we've unfortunately been drawn into this conflict. Each This, this kind of a conflict, even though it's unseen... Um, we still need to pick sides, and it's very important that we choose which side we're going to align ourselves with. But we talked about war in heaven. Mm. Now, that's a very, very strange thing. I want to read just briefly in Revelation chapter 12 mm -hmm. about this war that was in heaven. I'm reading from New King James. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, and it says, mm -hmm. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the, the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That's quite an incredible thing, that there could be war in a place of such peace, of mm. such perfection, of, uh, you know, uh, some place we would never expect a war to begin. Mm. So it's why like, a yeah, war? expecting to have war in charge, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, we, yeah, we see that a bit, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we do. We do, we do. So why a war in heaven of all places? Well, you know, I could give you an answer, but it's... It's very important that we allow the Bible to interpret itself. And so if we go further back in the Bible, you know, just past the middle of the Bible backwards, we can find that there's actually an answer as to why a war broke out in heaven. And it's a place in Isaiah chapter 14. 
Mm. Let me read just a couple of verses. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read verses 12 to 14, so just a couple of verses, again from the New King James. Mm. And here it says, uh, how, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you cut! How you are cut to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the clouds of heaven. I will be like the Most High. What mm. word did you hear frequently? Uh, I... I, I remember I, I, counting I, I, at the number of times, and it was seven. I don't know if it's yeah, seven. Yeah. I didn't count this time round, but yeah, five. I think it's five times. Oh, okay. So he should have gone to an optometrist, as we've said before, because he had a problem with his eyes. <laughs> uh, it's it's a, a, a central focus. You know, that's just a joke. He he was focused on himself, and clearly Lucifer wasn't happy with the place that God had given him, and uh, he was envious of God's position and coveted that position. So the word, the word is also here. Um, the, the the word ascend means to increase, to become strong, to lead and overcome. And it's actually the same Hebrew word that's used elsewhere for sacrifice, which is quite interesting if you think about it. Lucifer here was happy to sacrifice his current position if he could take God's position. And to reinforce this concept, the word exalt, which is also used here, means to lift oneself up, to show to be powerful. Now, God's idea of showing his power and Lucifer or Satan's idea of showing his power is very, very different, as we'll discover as we go through. It would seem that he wanted to take God's position of power by force. Perhaps he believed that, um, I don't know, that, that he he could show all of heaven that he the way he was going to display his power was better than the way God actually showed his power. But we'll see that this character shortly mm-hmm. is diametrically opposed to God's character. Mm-hmm. And it might give us a bit more of an understanding uh, into this war, why it happened, how it happened. But how did these thoughts arise in Lucifer's mind is what many people have asked. Did God create Lucifer with these ideas in his head? Um, and if he did, what does that say about God? Mm. Well, again, we go to the Bible and the Bible gives us an answer. This time it's in Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Now, we know, I haven't got time to explain all the reasons why. Um, we know this is, well, maybe I do have a few minutes. Let, let me try and explain this for you. Mm. So in, in Ezekiel chapter 28, it's being written by Ezekiel. Um, around the time of, uh, well, it's, it's the, the rule of this, this worldly ruler at the time in Tyre is Ithobal III, or Ithobar III, you can look that up, uh, 591 to 572 BC. Now, he's the only earthly ruler that's in charge of Tyre at the time, and he's the king, and he's in charge of the whole region. Now, in in this chapter... God gives Ezekiel a message to speak to this particular man, this particular man. So it lines up in history. And it says in verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, Because your heart's lifted up, you say, I am a God, I sit in the seats of a God, in the midst of the seas, yet you are a man and not a God. So here, this is directly, this first part of chapter 28 is directly pointed at the king of Tyre. But the Bible calls him the Prince of Tyre. Mm. Halfway through the chapter, 
in verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, that's talking to Ezekiel, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. But hang on, there's only one ruler in Tyre. Mm-hmm. There's Ithabal III. So why does the Bible call him the prince and then the king. refer later on to somebody else as the king? There's only one ruler. Mm-hmm. Who is more important, a prince or a king? A king. The king. Mm. Now, if there is only one earthly ruler and his name is Ithabal III, who is the king? Mm. Clearly, it's someone who is behind the scenes pulling his strings. Mm. Then we go on to what he's talking about, who Ezekiel is actually giving this message to. Mm. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering and it lists all the stones. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So when you think about Eden, there were only a few few beings there, mm. Adam and Eve, God, and Satan. Mm. So uh, Adam and Eve, uh, they were created. God isn't created, so it's not God. Uh, this is not talking about God. Uh, Adam and Eve were humans. They weren't cherub. Cherub is an angel. Mm. So this is not talking to or about Adam, Eve, or God. This is talking about Lucifer. And it says that he was perfect. This is verse 15. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So this is clearly speaking about Lucifer. Mm. So in verse 12 here... It says that Lucifer was the seal of perfection. There was no flaw when uh, Lucifer was created. He was, if you like, the creme de la creme of angels, the best. (laughs) (laughs) And yet iniquity or unrighteousness developed inside of him. In in verses 16 to 18, I haven't got time, I'm running out of time already uh, for this segment, but um, when we look in that segment, we can see that he is trading wisdom, but he corrupts that wisdom because of his beauty. So he doesn't trade the wisdom faithfully. It would appear that not only is he a covering cherub, I haven't got time to explain that, but he covers the glory of God. We see that symbolized in the top of the uh, Ark of the Covenant. We see those two great angels covering God's glory, Shekinah glory. So his job is that, but also he is given the, the position of sharing wisdom with the other angels. And he corrupts that. He doesn't do it faithfully. God gives him information. He doesn't share it faithfully. So it appears he is doing this because he wants to highlight his own self-importance. It appears he he thinks that he's better than God. He deserves the high position, if you like. He would Mm -hmm. desire um, to take God's position. And this desire grows and grows stronger and stronger in himself as he focuses on himself rather than God. This is an example of how sin develops inside of a person when we stop looking outwardly towards god and we start looking at how good we are Mm. so he develops his selfish pride in his character Mm -hmm. rather than a godly humility there's this popular quote that goes something about don't let something go to your head (laughs) yeah and something go to your heart or Mm. don't let criticism go to your heart and praise go to your head yeah yeah, uh, that's a really good quote. Mm. So what's what's our weakness? What's your weakness? Mine is lollies and chocolate. <laughs> it's always been, you know, ever since I was a kid, I would get my pocket money. And back then when I was a kid, we could buy four lollies or five lollies for one cent. Mm. 
So, you know, with 20 cents, we could buy lots and lots of lollies. Mm. And I look at, um, you know, very simplistically, I look at what inflation has done by looking at how many lollies you can buy for a cent. You can't buy any for a cent these days. Mm. You know, you pay five or ten cents for one. And and I used to love that. But everybody has a weakness. Uh, mm. And sometimes it's chips or cakes or something else. Have you ever sat down with your favourite... Mm-hmm. snack mm-hmm. Um, just a few and you're just going to have a few while you're watching your favorite show mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you look up and the packet's empty it's finished we just can't seem to help ourselves mm. and we finish them perhaps they're actually made like that so that we eat the whole lot <laughs> well this seems to be what lucifer's um, what's happening to lucifer he just seems like he wasn't satisfied mm-hmm. and as he looks inward he loses sight of God's perfect character. Mm, I've seen that before, actually. Um, I've seen when people have so much, uh, but rather than sharing, they just want more. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And when we come back from the break, we'll take a deeper look into this character of God, the character of Satan, and um, we'll see which one are we more aligned to. Mm. We're still waiting to hear from our listeners um, regarding this question. If you had a good friend who called you late at night with an urgent request that required immediate action, how would you respond? Um, would it, the, will your response differ if you didn't know this person quite well? And I'm not talking about people who put their phone on silence or maybe just imagine this call came through before you put your phone on silence. Mm. But how would you respond to that? Um, text us your responses to 0488880891. Um, this next song is He Gave Himself by Rachel McMath. Friend. 
But Jesus died for me when I was his enemy. A love like this I cannot comprehend. He gave himself to pay a debt I could not pay when I was lost. He gave himself to be my way, though I deserved to be upon the cross that day. In love he took my place, and he gave himself. My nails were in his hands, my crown of thorns he wore, my stripes were on his back, my heavy cross he bore, and when God turned his back, he turned it on. Won a victory that I could never win. He gave himself to pay a debt I could not pay when I was lost. He gave himself to be my way, though I deserved to be upon the cross that day. In love, he took my place, and he gave himself. In love, he took my place, and he gave himself. That's He Gave Himself by Rachel McMath. And you're listening to Taz Encounters with David Maxwell. Uh, we've got um response from Stephen. Thank you, Stephen, for texting. Um, Stephen has said, even if they were not a close friend, I would help them in any way I could. That is a very um good response, and it speaks volumes about you, Stephen. And we thank you for that response. And God, keep doing that, and that uh, may God bless you. And Stephen has also um, asked a question: Who created iniquity? Mm, that's a brilliant question. Brilliant question. So many people have asked that. If God created a perfect being, then how could iniquity develop? How could it develop? Um, in Exodus thirty-four. Um, as God describes his character, he uses three words, iniquity, transgression, and sin. And he says that he is so faithful, he's so good, that he'll forgive all of those three. They're slightly different things. Iniquity is open rebellion. Transgression is unconscious sin. Um, or, you know, or conscious sin, but I don't want to do it. I, I find myself falling into it. And sin is simply anything that transgresses God's law. So iniquity or rebellion starts, as we talked about in Ezekiel 28, it, it starts by taking our eyes off God and looking elsewhere for our, um, for our direction. For Lucifer, it was within. So he took his eyes off God and he looked within. So this is where rebellion begins. And when you rebel against God because you say, well, I don't need that anymore, I'm pretty good on my own. Mm -hmm. Rebellion starts 
it then leads to sinning even when you don't want to sin um, or, or you know doing the wrong thing even when you don't want to and then it re- leads to unconsciously breaking God's law because we're so far from it. We remove ourselves from it. We don't even know what God's law is. And that's those three things. So it begins, it can begin within ourselves. How will this never happen again? Because we'll have had the experience of what sin is all about. And we won't ever want it to happen. And we will not take our eyes off Jesus because we know how important it is. So hopefully that answers the question. Do you remember the story of the Israelites when they were beaten by a snake? Um, and yes. Moses had a silver snake where, when the children on had... On a pole. Yeah, they, yep. uh, when they, have, they had their eyes on the silver snake, they mm. were healed. But then when they took their eyes off, um, that, um, they died. So That's right. Yeah, I just thought that sort of... Mm. Um, mm. An addition to what you... To your response. Um yeah. Yes, Stephen, I hope your question has been answered and uh, we encourage listeners to text in if they have any other questions. Um, David, before we went for a break, you were speaking about a war in heaven and yeah, of all the places in heaven. So what's the two sides of the argument and how did it come to this? Mm, yeah, thanks very much, Tabitha. So before the break, I was describing how there's this final conflict coming that will end all conflicts. But before it happens, we've got to choose sides. We've got to pick which side we want to be on. Do we want to be sealed by God or are we going to be marked by, by the beast? And this, this sealing or marking determines which side we're on. So firstly, I want to briefly, and I've only got time to briefly look at these two, the two characters that identify which side we're on so the character of satan he went from being a being he went from being a perfect being um lucifer a perfect angel from developing a character that was completely foreign to gods and he went from being less than completely honest or unrighteously trading information to being filled with lies and violence and murder you can read that as we said in ezekiel 28 to 16 and also John eight forty four, where where John says he's the he's the author of 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 all of these things. Um, he thrives on causing pain and suffering to others. We see that in Job chapter one and two, and and he also is constantly accusing God and those who obey God and follow God. He he accuses them of wrongdoing. We again see that in Job chapter one and two, and also in Revelation twelve ten, where he's called the accuser of the brethren. So whenever you hear accusations, you know where that's coming from, Mm. Um, and and usually anyway. So he becomes hateful of all that's good. He utterly despises those who obey God. And you see this progressive fall as he gets from, from being this perfect angel to being this complete enemy of everything that's God. Mm-hmm. We look at the dark ages through history and we see that reflected even in those who say they're following God, yet they persecute those who truly do follow God. And there's this terrible time of death and murder throughout Earth's history in these dark ages, 1260 years of it. His trademark has been violence and discord and his hateful character was finally displayed when he actually kills Jesus on the cross, his very own creator. He has this opportunity and he kills him. And I think that really, that event displayed his true character. Mm. Contrasting to that 
in a complete contrast is is God's character. Um, the word love is a key characteristic of God. Mm. And it's not just something that God has, although he does have it. It's something that he is. Now, if you just take time to think about that, that's very hard for us to understand. Mm. How is God love? You know, he is that thing. So whenever we see anybody loving or responding in a loving way, that behavior comes from God, even if they don't know or Mm. or acknowledge it. Um, this intrinsic nature of love is selflessness. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5, it says love is not self-seeking. And that's really the essence of what love is. So how does God show his lack of self-seeking to us? You know, in there's a Bible study guides that... Uh, Ty Gibson, a man by the name of Ty Gibson, Pastor Ty Gibson, um, has put together, and it's called TruthLink. And he makes this really interesting statement in this uh, Bible study. He said three is the minimum numeric value of love in its purest form. Where there is only two people, Mm -hmm. one love cannot occur. Where there are two, each is the sole recipient of the other's attention. I love you, you love me, and I know I'm going to get that love from you. So there's a bit of self-seeking in there. That's what he's talking about. Mm. Giving the potential for self-centeredness. But the moment there are three, each recipient must also humbly defer to the third person's attention. Mm. And each one must occupy the position of the third person to the other two. I think that's really interesting if you think about it. So it's a fabulous explanation of true love. So the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the perfect representation of true love, and everyone who joins with him experiences an expression of that true love. And in that love, then we have grace. Grace simply means to show favor or kindness or goodwill. And God's grace is undeserved. It's free. We can't earn it. And then it also leads to mercy. There are over 300 verses in the Bible that use the word mercy. Now, that's nearly one for every day of the year. Uh, God's mercy is described as goodness, faithfulness, and, uh, and even when it's not deserved. And that's in Corinthians and, and, and First Peter. And long-suffering. Long-suffering means to be patient or suffer long. God suffers long. He is very patient with us, but he is suffering while he's waiting. He's suffering um, our disobedience and all those sorts of things. Mm. Indeed. And um, our book offered this um, by the title, Surprised by Love, and this is The Unexpected Rescue of God's Children by Elizabeth Vera Talbot. Um, This book is the story of God's love for his children, his excitement and the plans he's made to be together with them through eternity. It's also the story about the kidnapping of God's children and what he did in order to rescue them. The first ever woman sharing book, it shows how God simply refuses to go through eternity without you and me. Maybe you've heard of the story before. Maybe this is your first time. Either way, When you behold the unexpected rescue of God's children, you will be amazed at his love, at his passion for his children, and you will be surprised by his love. I will give you the code to claim this book after the break, but for now we're going to listen to this song, King of Love by I Am They. The King of Love, my 
whose goodness faileth never I'm nothing like if I am he And he is mine forever And he is mine forever
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was King of Love by I Am They. And you're listening to Tazi Encounters with David Maxwell. Um, David is talking about an urgent call. And uh, we've also had, we've received another another interaction from one of our listeners. Um, and this person is saying, I believe God created iniquity. So we all have choice. Um yeah, I can respond to that. Well, as we saw in Ezekiel 28, we see that that's, Lucifer was perfect. That means without rebellion. He was without iniquity when God created him. So God didn't create that rebellion. Um, that rebellion developed in this great angel. But God allowed it to develop. You're right in saying you know, there, there was an allowance by God. He didn't create it. Lucifer created it. But God values free will so much that he won't step in and take that free will away. He allowed it to develop, yes, so that we would develop choice. Thank you, Freko, for texting in um, that response. And um, so I promise to give you the code to claim this book offer, which is um, the book Surprised by Love by Elizabeth Vera Talbot. Um, the code is King 9, King number 9. Um, don't put any space between text King 9 to 0488-880891, and we'll be able to send this book to you. Um, uh, David, I have a question. Um, while you were describing God's characteristics, um, it seems like... Um, it seems just by looking at a few of God's characteristics, I can see they are completely different from Satan's. Yeah, that's right, Tabitha. This this great angel who thought he could do better without God has now become God's opponent. He's a despiser of truth and all that are loyal to God. He even twists the truth and he makes it seem like all the sin, suffering, death and everything that we experience in the world today is actually God's fault mm. and that he deserves the worship instead of God. Mm. And uh, you also mentioned you also contrasted um, God and Satan's characters when you did that, and it shows that how the conflict began. Uh, perhaps we've been blaming God for things He hasn't been doing at mm. all. So, mm. how would you like to wrap up um, and finish off? Yeah, today? thanks very much, Tabitha. Yeah, look, Satan has a lot on his side because he can use lies and half truths, and he can twist. Uh, he can create or formulate a really clever argument against God, but God can't lie. God can only tell the truth. And I've I've experienced this where you have one person just telling the plain truth and another person telling such a twisted story that it makes the truth teller look like he's not telling the truth. Mm. And it's very difficult to discern. You have to look at a lot of other evidence mm -hmm. to be able to decide who is telling the truth. But God can't lie. And, and the amazing thing is, if God spoke something that wasn't true, his word is so powerful it would become true. And so he can't lie. <laughs> so he has to tell the truth, and he's careful that he always tells the truth. But the fact is he doesn't force or coerce us. Um, he loves with an everlasting love. He does everything possible to save and redeem us, but he doesn't force our will. He came willingly as Jesus of Nazareth to live the life that we live, except he was perfect and without sin. He died our death so that we might have his life and be restored as perfect sons and daughters to God once more. Mm. 
From the very first mistake of Adam and Eve, God's been seeking us out. In the garden we see he came and sought out Adam and Eve. He showed his love for mankind. He promised a redeemer to restore us. And then he actually gives us a a practical demonstration of that love as Jesus walks alongside his creation. We haven't got time to look at it, but God walked alongside his creation all through the Old Testament. Mm. If you care to look, you see God the Son walking alongside the creation, spending time with different patriarchs and different people throughout um, throughout the Old Testament, Abraham, Jacob, um, um, so many of the... Enoch. The, uh, Moses, Enoch. Yeah, he, mm. he walked beside these people. He spent time here with us in in our you know in in the in the struggle that we had against sin he then actually takes our sin as Jesus of Nazareth and he dies in our place he shows his mercy his grace his long suffering by actively seeking all those who listen to the holy spirit's pleading in their life and the written spoken word the written and spoken word and in the last days of god's history we have this final great cry this urgent call pleading for us to choose pleading for us to choose we have to choose before it's too late again um, then I saw this is in Revelation fourteen six and 7 then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the eternal or everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth this is happening while people are still living on the earth to every nation tribe tongue and people saying with a loud voice fear God that means give respect and proper authority to God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come that means has begun so when this message is being given to the world the judgment has begun that's what he's saying um, and be behi- and worship him who's made heaven, the earth, the sea, and springers of water. This is not a, a call to force someone to worship; it's a call to get to know him, so that we can worship him. Um, it's it's something called informed choice or informed consent. Mm. It's a term that people use when they're supplied with all the information and then the choices are up to you. You make the choice based on having all of the options in front of you. Mm. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want to force us to follow him or side with him. He wants informed consent Mm. to know the character of God, the outcomes of both sides and the character of Satan as well and then choose which one we want to uh, align ourselves with. Uh, In the introduction to the Bible, we find a loving God who prepares everything that we need to exist on the planet. Then he creates us, and we're not a product of time and chance. We've been chosen to exist. But even though God owns us, he won't force our choice. Uh, We also find this enemy introduced into this perfect environment who first tests, then takes their loyalty from God. Towards the close of the history of the earth, we find this final urgent call of God to all the people still living on the earth. And again, we have to choose who will worship and who will serve. But this time, the whole history of mankind is open for them to understand and to know what's at stake. We, we have all this information before us. Mm. Have you made that choice yet? Mm. How have you responded to this final urgent call? Don't wait till it's too late. He wants to get to know you and he wants you to know him. And that the answer to that listener question 
is how would you respond to an urgent call from someone that you know? I, I get a lot of comments on Facebook from people I don't even know. You know, they ask to be my friend. I've, I accept their friend request. And the very first thing is they're asking me or they're telling me about making money and if you just do this, if you send me your details, we can... And I don't even know them. Mm. I'm not treating that as very important. Usually it's a scam. Mm. However, if it was someone I knew very, very well who said, you really need to do this, is very, very important, this is what I discovered, I'm going to listen and pay more attention to that. Mm. And that's what God wants us to be like. He wants us to get to know his character. He wants us to get to know him. So as he's making this urgent call, we'll respond as a friend, not as someone who doesn't know him very well. Mm. When you get to know what the king is really like and his real character you'll want to serve him forever mm, indeed um thank you david for that powerful sharing and thank you stephen for um Freco, for your contribution and interaction um i pray that our listeners have been blessed uh with your message uh, david uh, what do you have for us next week yeah, next week we've got a very interesting topic next week. So we're going to look at the good news that God shared with us, um, what makes it so good, and how we can get to know him better. And it's entitled A Very Present Help. You don't want to miss next week because it's a great topic. Hmm. Please join us. Tune in next week on Friday, um, same time to learn more about what David has to share. And on Monday, we have David Leo, and David will be continuing with the series, Searching for Certainty. Um, sorry, his series, Encounters with Jesus. Sorry about that. <laughs> Searching for Certainty, Peters. Um, so David will be talking about signs of the times, and um, he'll be sharing his He'll be basing his sharing from Mark 13. And just to remind our listeners, the code to get the offer for today, which is the book Surprised by Love by Elizabeth Talbot. Um, this, the code is King9. Text King9 to 048880891. Thank you for joining us today. And wherever you are, um, enjoy the rest of your day. And may God bless you. Mm-hmm.